welcome. Uh, before we get into the, uh, the teaching this morning, uh, we have, uh, <laughs> I have to look at <laughs> to do it right. <laughs> I, thought, I thought his name was Johan, then his wife said, no, it's like Yahoo, but the other way. So I started calling him Yahoo instead of the other way, but it's actually Yuhan. And, um, right? <laughs> okay, good. And Elke, they are, uh, Yuhan is from, um, from Finland, and Elke is from Germany. And they, they've lived in Finland for many years and also were missionaries in, uh, in different parts of the world. And I thought uh, it would be wonderful if they shared a bit of their story today with us. So if you would come up. Yes, uh, good morning, everyone. I will start off and you will continue then. And uh, yes, it's been uh, really nice to be with you and we've really enjoyed our time here. We are, have been here since the beginning of September and we will soon be going back uh, to Finland again where we have uh, three grown-up children and three grandchildren. So we are... We are definitely waiting to be able to finally hug them again and play with them. But it's been really great to be here, and we've really enjoyed the fellowship uh, in the church here. And so, so we will be leaving uh, with uh, taking, uh, taking you with us in our heart to Finland. So <laughs> anyhow, yeah, as uh, Raphael already said, I'm Elke. I'm from Germany. Juha is from Finland. And... Um, We've actually been uh, involved in mission work ever since we were married and uh, even before that. And actually that was the place where you and myself met as well. So, And uh, uh, we have been serving with OM, Operation Mobilization International, for some years. And then after that we've been serving with WEC International in Thailand for about good 20 years. And for the last eight years we've been uh, living in Finland and serving in our home church with uh, immigrants and especially asylum seekers, uh, mainly from the Middle East. So I will let you have first continue and then I'll finish off then later. Okay, hello. Actually, just when we were leaving for church this morning, one of our friends uh, who comes from uh, Middle East, um, uh, who came as an asylum seeker, to Finland 2015, he sent a message, his message had a few words, and he said, Jesus is protecting all of us. And when it comes from a man who lost everything basically because he, he, he followed Jesus, he started to follow Jesus, it, it, it's very great. Um, he, he comes from a Muslim background, so he got this and this came to be known in his home, so, uh, so basically he was rejected by his family, and that means a lot in this kind of situations. But what a difference the gospel makes, actually. Uh, just a few words, verses here, and then I will share uh, just briefly a few things about uh, personal experience, uh, how... how what happened, and, and then Elke will also share very briefly a few things. But in, uh, when the gospel went to Thessalonians, grace and peace, that was a good order, grace, and then followed peace. And, uh, and then it says that they turned away from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom, 
whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. What a wonderful thing to be able to wait for the coming of Jesus Christ with peace in heart. It's not always been like that with me. And um, just something, God was very, very patient with me. Since child, I wanted a great desire to, to know that I belong to Jesus Christ. But, uh, but there was the other power, and that was the power of shame and power of fear of man. What will others say if I decide to follow Christ? And it's unexplainable why that shame was there, because Jesus is most wonderful. I mean, uh, but it's a strong power. And uh, it took me many, many years to overcome that. But how God helped me to overcome that? Um, first of all, very strong desire in heart. Sometimes as a teenager or a young person, I was walking with my friends. I was in my hometown. We used to go around the town walking around and uh, watching girls there and so on, <laughs> and you know. But, but there, while even with my friends, the shame, this fear, and at the same time, strong desire to belong to Christ, I felt sometimes, even there on the street, to, I have to kneel down and pray and ask Jesus to come into my life, but I didn't do it. But uh, such a strong desire. Then I went to army, military service, and um, there we got New Testament, it was safe to take it because almost everyone took it. And at night, when I was in well, on watch duty, I was reading, and I remember reading Matthew 13, the parables of the sower, parables of the net that caught many fish. Some were taken, some were thrown away. The weeds and the wheat and, and so on. Some it's a picture of some being saved, some being lost. And again, a very strong desire in heart to, to belong to Christ. And that night, I actually wrote my decision in the back of the New Testament, and I prayed Jesus come into my life. I had done it before, but I never told anyone. And, and that kept the power, the grip of that fear on my life. I never told anyone. And God just wonderfully kept working. A few months later, still in the army service, I was in my hometown, a weekend off. I was not in good shape. Two of my friends carried me <laughs> from both sides. I was having my, my weekend off. and. Um, <clears throat> Then my friends thought that, okay, we need to take him, me, to my brother who was living in that town. And it was a dark autumn night, and there was no light in the yard of the, it's an apartment blocks. And when one of my friends let me go, I fell on my back on, on the asphalt, and 
It was a funny thing. I could understand what's happening. I, I, I just didn't get up. I just couldn't get up. <clears throat> but there, something happened. Two months, about two months after I had prayed and received Christ in that prayer. And uh, uh, an older woman came from somewhere, from the dark, from the dark yard somewhere. And she came directly to me and said, my son, come and rise up from the valley of darkness. And my friend remembers this, who was there with me. And he says, he remembers that the woman said, my son, in the name of Jesus, come and rise up from the valley of darkness. And when I think about it, my son, what a grace. I was in bad shape. My son, come and rise up from the valley of darkness. And I was in the valley of darkness. And I didn't have any peace in my heart, really. But there comes... I don't know whether that was a lady or whether that was an angel, I don't know. But she comes directly to me, says that, and goes away. And um, that just touched my heart. <clears throat> but then just the fear and the desire to belong to Christ, it was like balances. And the fear was much stronger for a long time. But then it started to shift. And what God says started to become the most important thing in my life. And then it was easy. So, uh, relatively easy. <laughs> to go to church. And I went to church. The first guy I met, he didn't have to try to convert me. I said to him, first words were, I want to give my life to Jesus. And he took me to his home, read from a tract, actually, a prayer, and asked, we knelt down in, in his living room, read from a tract a prayer, and asked me to pray it after him, and I, I, I got the assurance of salvation. But it, I needed that other person there to pray with me. And when I professed faith publicly, that broke the fear. And, and then he who loses his life because of me and for the gospel, he finds it and I found life. And, and the, the, how God has been leading and just calling to serve him and to see how the simple gospel message is so powerful. And it makes a difference. Elke will tell just very briefly a few things. I just want to share a couple of uh, stories from two uh, men in, in Thailand who, who we got to know there. Um, both of them uh, coming from completely Buddhist background, uh, not having heard very much about Jesus before that. Um, one of them, uh, a young man, a young man in his late teenage years, we were serving in a, a village in Thailand uh, together with Thai co-workers. It was a church planting project. And that Thai co-worker, he got to know uh, quite a lot of young people, 
teenagers and they would come to their house and they would play ping pong together and you know talk together and uh, he would uh, share the gospel with them and Dam, uh, one guy, he especially was uh, interested and Dam uh, and our co-workers spent quite a lot of time with him, sharing the gospel with him, talking with him. And uh, I always remember that one night when then our co-worker came to our place and he said, hey, let's pray now together. I've just been talking with Dam and uh, I kind of, he probably kind of told him as well, you know, you need to make a decision. And uh, I think he said, let's pray that, that Dam would really decide to follow Jesus. So, so we prayed together and there was really this kind of excitement in our room. What's going to happen? Is, he gonna, is Dam going to go just home and forget all about it? Or is he, is he going to come? And it didn't take long and Dam came. And he came to our place and there in that evening together we prayed with him and he received Jesus. And Dam was a young guy. He, he really, when he became a Christian, he really became a Christian. <laughs> he didn't keep it a secret. Uh, he used to take his Bible with him to school and uh, he would read his Bible a lot. He knew a lot about the Bible quite soon after he had become a Christian already. And even though it wasn't easy for him because his parents, his brother, he faced quite a bit of opposition from them uh, after he had become a believer. And his parents had a gas business, a gas business so they would, uh, he used to help there and they often would arrange it so that exactly on Sundays he had work to do and he wasn't able to come to church. His brother would make fun of him, but, but he kept on and he started also then to, he was very active in church, he started to help, started to take responsibility and he learned to play the guitar and uh, later also helped to lead worship and he's still following Christ. He's married now, living in another, living in another town. The other young man, uh, he lived in another village and we we had this project of going to the different villages in that area, going from door to door, sharing, giving out Christian literature, seeking opportunity to sharing the gospel with the people who we met. And one evening we met this mother and we sat and talked with her for quite some time and then she told us about her son who, is, who was paralyzed from, uh, from the neck downward. He only could uh, lift his arms but he couldn't hold anything. And uh, he had had an accident some years ago, and since that time, he was paralyzed. His mother was taking care of him, and there were the two of them. There were no other family members. And um, that evening, we didn't meet the son yet, but as a team, we felt it would be, uh, it would be good to go and see, see the son. And so the men folk of the team, because on that evening, it was only us ladies who met with the mother, they went uh, to try and see the son as well. And they were able to see him, even though his mother told us later that actually Geng, that was his name, uh, wouldn't have, at that time, wouldn't want, he didn't want to see the people actually. But his mother kind of persuaded him and said, you know, you won't lose anything, just go and see them. So, so the, the team, they went to see him and talked with him, were able to share the gospel with him. And Geng decided to open his heart to Jesus. And uh, I always still see him lying there on, the, on his mat or on his bed because he couldn't, he couldn't move. His mom took care, took care of him. And I always remember seeing his face with contentment. Uh, there was contentment and joy on his face, even in the difficult situation that he faced. Uh, after the accident, 
most of his friends and even his wife at that time left him. So he had actually nobody except his mother. And uh, I always remember when he, he said then after he had become a Christian, you know, now I have a friend uh, in Jesus that is always with me. And it was really touching. Every time we visited him, uh, instead of us going and encouraging him, we left being encouraged by him. And so we were very, very grateful. Some weeks, his mother, some years later, his mom also became a Christian and also one of his, and also his, his nephew, who later came to live with them. Uh, some weeks ago, we had the news that Geng has passed away. And um, in that moment, there was, yes, sadness in a sense, but on the other hand, a very deep uh, thankfulness and gratefulness in our hearts that God had given the opportunity uh, to share with him. And somehow the value of the gospel and the, the importance of uh, you know, us as believers in Jesus, having the gospel, having Christ, the hope <laughs> in our hearts, and the eternal value that it has, it really humbles oneself. And so I'm forever thankful to God that he has allowed us and is allowing all of us to have a part in that. In that. So a verse that spoke to me some weeks ago or some days ago, actually, verse that you probably all know is that, you know, that we to be ready to share, if people ask us that, to be ready to share of the hope, to give an answer to people who ask of the hope that we have in us. And, uh, and somehow I just pray that we all, I myself, wherever we are, school, workplace, neighbors, wherever we are, that we are ready to share about the hope that we have in us. God bless you all. My goodness, that was wonderful. And I, 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 I think of Joni Erickson. If you guys don't know who she is, Joni Erickson's an American lady that um, she, when she was a, a teenager, she dived in a lake uh, not seeing the bottom. And uh, she hit the bottom with her head and she was immediately paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, she became a Christian and she is an artist um, she's actually involved right now with um, helping the handicapped in Ukraine. They had buses uh, pulling them out of there. And, um, and, and, and uh, just now I was at a conference and she was there in Nashville. And the, the, the subject the last day was about heaven. And they asked, and there was one theologian that was there. Uh, and he says, you know, I, I can't think of a person that can share about heaven better than Joni Erickson because she is longing for it. And then she comes up and she's like, I just can't wait to go to heaven. And this is a lady that paints with her mouth. You know, she puts a brush in her mouth and she makes these beautiful paintings, but she cannot walk. And she's like, every day I am in pain, in tremendous pain. And she says, I can't wait to go to heaven because then... I will be able to run to Jesus, you know, and, and what a, the hope, and, and like, and, and, 
And like Yuha was saying, the, the peace that comes into a heart through the gospel of Jesus. You know, and, and how, how amazing huh, that you have a guy who is drunk out of his mind and the Lord meets him there and then he brings him with Elke and then they end up going to a country somewhere and give a young man that's paralyzed from the neck down this hope. And when people leave him, this friend. And when he dies, this living hope. What an amazing you know, we are the most blessed people in the universe. So let's open in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to make it um, quick in on time today, hopefully. I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful in my life. But uh, so if you turn to Luke chapter 2, we're going to start a series of, of messages uh, that have to do with the season of... Um, Christmas, the Jesus, the, the season of the incarnation of God, a season of uh, God coming to rescue man. And um, as we turn to Luke chapter 2, it's taking me a while to get there. It, um, in verse 14, well, actually, even before that, in verse 8, it says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God. I mean, just imagine just a multitude of, of heavenly beings just revealing themselves on earth, crying out glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. And we pray that you would uh, take it, Lord, and you would speak to our hearts. I, I, I just pray that you would um, enable us to just see glimpses of you more and more. That we might know how blessed we are and how wonderful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting that an angel appeared to these, uh, to these, um, to these shepherds. And interesting because there was a 400-year, before that, there was a 400-year silence where not much activity is recorded of anything that God did. After, uh, the, it, it's called the silent, the silent years, 400 years after the book of Malachi, where you know, synagogues are developed and all these things are developing, but no real sense of God saying or working anything. And, and you actually had Daniel before that, that the angel Gabriel came and actually saying, from the going forth of the command to restore Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince comes, 
there will be these sevens, which sevens in the Hebrew uh, would be uh, periods of, of, of seven years. It was either uh, one seven could be a week, but one seven could be seven years. And if you take it in years, it was 483 years. And when these 483 years go forth from the, going, from, the, from the going forth of the command to rebuild Jerusalem, and you count 483 years, it's right around the time that Jesus came. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. As a matter of fact, Jews cannot read Daniel 9. It's too complicated for them. Why? Because it gives them exactly the date. And Jesus' fall is the only one that falls even close to meeting that. But it's interesting that angels begin to come. An angel comes to Zechariah in the temple. An angel comes to Mary. An angel comes to Joseph. And here an angel comes to, 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 to the shepherds. I mean, God is, is, is building a, a house of witnesses of what he's doing after such a period of silence. I mean, to me, it's just so amazing, so dramatic. But um, what, I, what I find interesting is the message that these not this angel, but the angels that came and, and speak, the message that they have, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. God's desire for us and God's desire in sending his son was to bring peace in a world where there is no peace. There's very little peace in the world as we speak. There are people executed. There's wars, Korean, Afghanistan, Iraq, Yugoslavia, Crimea, in, uh, uh, I, I, um, Russia and, and, uh, and Ukraine. There's, um, there's Iran, there's Syria. There's, there's, um, there's also in the United States, there's, races, uh, there's racism, there's tension, there's political polarization. And, and people killing one another. If it's not with guns in the United States, it's with, ni with, nice in, in, with knives in, in England. But the, the reality, the reason there's so little peace in the world, the reason there's so little peace in the world is because there's so little peace in people's hearts. If there was peace in people's hearts, there would be peace in the world. But because there's no peace in people's hearts... There's wars. James is very clear. He says the reasons that there is wars among you is because you want and you do not have. And when you don't, and, and, and so what you do is you fight for what you do not have, and that becomes war. And the only way to have peace in the world is to have peace in people's hearts. And people without peace in their hearts will never build a society that is peaceful. And the promise of peace here that the angel gives is a, a promise to individual people, individual men and women. Jesus said it like this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And, you know, the reality is that we live in an environment there's a lot of friction, isn't there? I mean, family friction. There is, like I said, racial. There's school. I mean, Jonathan is telling me some of the stuff that's going on in school. And, I mean, three kids in his class, in his class, not in the school, three kids in his class got expelled for bullying. There's um, friction 
in, in, in politics. There's people with past hurts. And um, there's an us against them mentality. And we as Christians are to be known as people of peace. The, you know, and the reality is sometimes there's so little peace even in churches. You know, we want something, the other person wants something else, and it's just at war. But the Bible is clear, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as, the, as it depends on you, leave at peace with all men. So we should, we should attempt to live at peace with all men. But the reality is it's not always possible, is it? I mean, there's oftentimes situations where it's just so vicious and so, so traumatizing and so aggressive that it's just absolutely impossible. But there should be an exhortation because we desire not to live at war with our kids, with our husbands, with our wives. But the reality is this, that a lack of peace in our hearts and a lack of peace among us ruins everything. Imagine Christmas. Have a wonderful big meal. Like when I went to my, it wasn't Christmas, I went to see my family. First time I took Jonathan to see my dad's side of the family in the mainland. And my goodness, there was almost a fist fight among my cousins. You know, and it just ruined everything. That which was supposed to be a wonderful moment just ruined everything. Think about uh, a Christmas meal. You have all these hopes that of spending this time together and you have a meal and there's strife and there's bickering and, and, and there's war. But Jesus comes, and the angels here say that Jesus has come to bring peace among us. And there's four kinds of peace in order to achieve this kind of peace in meals and relationships. And, you know, and I, I don't speak as, as a, a guy that's, that's conquered all this stuff. I mean, just now, Loretta, um, she called me up and she said, oh, my goodness, I think uh, there's, you know, there's a trick that people put is they put something on your, on your door a cardboard or something, so then when you open it, they know if you've opened the door or not. They do it in apartments a lot in order to break in. And so Loretta's like, oh my goodness, I think that they've done this thing. And so she's like, what should I do? And I said, I don't know. And she's like, okay, well, I, I got stuff to do anyway, so I'll just go home. And then she left Arden here. And then Arden, all I see is, is Margarita carrying Arden by the feet, and he's with his hands like that, and, he's, and then he's running here, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And I wrote her. I said, I can't believe you left Arden here. But, there, you know, so there, there's this friction that, that, that happens. But, but, you know, how are we to experience this peace? What kind of peace does, does God wants us to have? And there are four kinds of peace that the angels are, are saying peace on earth. There's four kinds of, kinds of peace and four areas of our lives that God wants us to have peace in. Number one, the promise for us is peace. And the first one is peace with God. If we do not have peace with God, we will not find peace in any other sphere of life. 
Some have everything a person could ever dream of having, but no peace. No peace with God. You think of Nero, who was the emperor of Rome. The guy was mad. He killed his own mom. I mean, just had everything, top of the world, and yet no peace in his heart. And no, um, and the reality is that the devil offers exactly what Jesus is trying to bring to us. And he just loves to keep people afraid and anxious about everything. But without peace with God, it doesn't matter what religion you have. It doesn't matter what a great life you are trying to live. It doesn't matter the good deeds that you're doing. It doesn't matter how much you feed the poor. Without peace with God, without um, peace through his son, Jesus Christ, nothing else would matter. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I notice it. I notice it with, with our kids. You know, Jonathan, he's reaching uh, these uh, teenage years at the moment, and, and sometimes you can just see kind of like a, a wrestling going on there, and, and there's an anxiety. And, and yesterday we had a discussion because he, he had, I, to be honest, I had plans for my morning, and Loretta had different plans for me. And... Jonathan had plans for the morning, and Loretta had different plans for all of us. <laughs> and so you could see that Jonathan was kind of struggling uh, with it, you know. And, uh, and, 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 and then, um, and I said to Jonathan, Jonathan, there's, I, I can see that you have desires and that you want to do something else, and mom wants us to do something, but trust me, I feel the same way as you. But we have to deny ourselves. We have to do what mom is asking us to do. So I went out into the garden. I began to clean uh, and, and, and weed. And, and then Jonathan says, can I help you? And, uh, and, and do you need any help? And I said, of course. And so then we, we, we weeded together. We, we, we washed stuff. And, and, um, and you know what? We had the most wonderful time. And the most wonderful time came when we gave up our ambitions, our desires, and we actually yielded to the right thing to do. Well, the same thing happens with God. Sometimes we find there's a war between us because we have our desires versus God's desires. And you know what? God has tremendous intentions for us, good intentions for us, good desires for us. And when we actually cease to fight, we actually find and we yield that it's like uh, um, Yuha was saying that, um, that we, when we lose our lives, when we deny ourselves and say, Lord, what do you want? I have done wrong. You have justified me. I want to yield to you. That all of a sudden we find ourselves full of peace. You're no longer at war with God. You're okay exactly where, 
with him, you know? It's, it's like you just feel like, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm very sensitive to this. And I don't, know, I don't know why. I don't know if it's my upbringing. But I want to know, in my house, I want to know that Loretta and I are okay. Sometimes it might be with a hug. Sometimes it might be with a word. But if I can see that she's kind of building up and, and getting edgy, you know, something in me just doesn't function. I want to know that we are okay. It's the same thing with, it, it, to me, it's amazing when we know we're okay with God. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters in life. When we let striving cease. You know, it says that, that uh, David, when he sinned, he says, my bones grew dead inside of me. And it says that Nathan went up to him and told him a story. And it says, hey, uh, and, and David got an ignorant, I mean, he just got so upset about what this other guy had done with the sheep of another man. And then he says, you're that guy. And then he confessed his sin and then he, he just talks about the restoring of his soul. Peace with God is something that is invaluable. Even non-believers realize this. And, and they might say it in a different way. But he says, my, my uncle would always say to me, who's not a believer, he says, the best pillow you can have is a clean conscience. A good conscience. And I think, and Paul said it like this, I've lived in good conscience between, before, before God. His aim was to do what was right before God, that to make sure that the vertical was always peaceful. And this is one of the things that God wants to give you. No matter where you are from, no matter what you're going through, no matter what anxieties, what worries you're having, He wants, no matter what you've done, He wants you to, ex to know that His desire towards you is peaceful. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that we, the creator of everything, would want to fill our hearts with peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Number two, he wants us, God wants us to have peace with our past. Peace with an unresolved past. Maybe bad decisions you made. Things you should have done that you didn't do. Things you didn't do that you should have done. Did I say that right? Did I say the same thing all over again? <laughs> you know, things that, that we shouldn't have done. Things that we knew were wrong. If I would have just done things differently, why that relationship? Why that school? Why that job? Why did I yield to those people? I'm going to ask you a question. Can you redo it? And if you can't redo it, are you going to allow yourself to be tormented by it? One of the, my favorite people in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. Because he was not always the Apostle Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. And he used to kill Christians. And he used to imprison Christians. 
If I know somebody that would have been tormented by his past, it's the Apostle Paul. And yet he was able to stand on the grace of God. And it is he that wrote, there's now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I'm persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor illness, nor angels, nor principalities, nor demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a guy that used to do terrible things. But he was able to be delivered from the condemnation and the anxiety of the devil into a place where he had peace with his past. You know, I had a debt. I went to university in, um, in uh, Campbell University in North Carolina, and I accumulated like they do in the States without knowing. They just say, sign here and we'll give you money. And you're 19 years old. You're like, okay. Well, actually, I was a bit older. And... Um, and, and then, all of a sudden, I went to Bible school, and, and so what happened is that the debts that I made here, they, the people didn't recognize the new school I went to, so all of a sudden, without me knowing, my debts defaulted. And they put in heavy penalties on it. Now, um, I went to Bible school, then I served as a missionary in London for three and a half years, and then I came here. And even while I was here, I had people collectors, collectors calling my mother saying, hey, your son's got to pay. I called them up and I said, I live in Spain and, and, and I want to pay you back. But I mean, listen, guys, you've put commissions there and penalties there that are just not righteous. They're just not good. And, and I don't have a dime. I mean, I, in London, when I lived in London, I, I, I ate rice with a bit of salt to give it flavor because I had nothing. And they, one of the collectors said to me, just stay there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he felt sorry for me, you know. But I tell you what, even here, I would, I would be serving here as a pastor, and I had these debts in the past, and I wanted to resolve it, but I didn't know how to resolve it. And it's amazing how the devil just loved to mess with me with that. Make me feel disqualified. What are you doing? Here you are, a pastor, and here you are with these debts. Now I still owe a million euros. I'm just kidding. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> no actually, um, no, not at all. Uh, we had a guy at church that was, that was an uh, amazing business guy, and he just called him up. And he called him up, and he says, listen, this guy owes you this, and he's willing to pay what he borrowed, but not to pay what your, uh, the penalties that are not right. And you either take that, or you're never going to see him again because he lives in Spain and he, couldn't, he, he has no intentions of living back in the United States. And so the guy said, okay. And I was able to pay that off and get it over. And you know what? The devil then found another thing in my past to beat me with. But there's always going to be something that the devil beats us with. And Jesus wants you to enjoy and to realize that he wants to bless you with peace with your past. But then he also wants us to enjoy peace with our present. The anxieties of where we are at today. Paul said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. And I, sorry, not, uh, not Paul. Uh, David said, oh, that I had wings like a dove and I would fly away and be at rest. Sometimes our present circumstances arise 
to a point where they're just beyond us. And we have no idea how we're going to handle these things. But God wants us to have peace in our present. Maybe it's the car. Maybe, maybe it's the, the, the um, we, we just kind of think to, uh, maybe things are uh, breaking down or, or maybe we get evicted or, or maybe we have desire for more. If I just had that thing, I would be thankful. I would be, I would be arrested. If I just had that holiday, I would finally have my soul restored, you know. If I just had that person, you know, uh, if I just had kids, I mean, if I just... No, no, but, but to be able to realize that God wants to give us peace in the circumstances that we find ourselves in today. To have peace with today. And that means that we need to accept where we are today and realize that in Hebrews it says, I will never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes it's so easy to understand that in our minds but so hard to understand that in our hearts. I get anxious. Don't you get that sometimes? It's like one day you, you're so optimistic. You're, I mean, Loretta call, calls me the, the eternal optimist. Uh, but, but, I mean, so I'm quite optimistic. But there are days that I'm just completely anxious. And the Lord's desire for me and for you is to have a foundation that even when we experience little anxiety here and there, that beneath there's a foundation of peace. That's what Jesus wants to give you and me. And you need to be able to say, not, I'm not going to lose my peace. We have everything we need. Sometimes we can be so anxious about the next thing we want, the next thing we want to see, the next thing we want to experience rather than being able to enjoy what God gives us at every stage. A piece of bread, it says. A piece of bread. And remember this this Christmas, when you, we remember Jesus being born in a manger because there was no luxury hotel to go to or that had room. Remember this. A piece of bread this Christmas with peace is better than a house full of all kinds of food with strife. And finally, he wants us to have uh, peace with our future. For the future. You know, sometimes it's just fear of, I mean, here it's just like in, in Spain right now and in the States, kind of afraid of the left, the communist, afraid of the right, the, 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 the uh, radicals on the right, you know, or um, afraid of fear about uh, whatever. I mean, the economy, just everybody's just afraid of everything. And Corey Ten Boom, who once you've gone through a certain amount of stuff, stuff doesn't faze you as much. Corey Ten Boom says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust and a known future to a known God. It's not where we're going, it's with whom we are going. I used to do this with Jonathan all the time. 
we would, we would go. I, w- I would like to do it. Uh, I said, come on, Jonathan, let's go somewhere. And he was like, where are we going? He was so little. He was my little buddy. You know, he was like, oh, uh, where, where are we going? I said, ah, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just, just be surprised, you know. And we would go. Uh, one, once we went, he loves soldier stuff. And once we went to... Um, to Genoa, to the top of the mountain there where the, where the, where the um, statue is. And then you can go for a walk for hours there. And we went for a walk, just Jonathan and I. And he's like, well, where are we going? Just going for a little walk. And next thing you know, like two platoons of soldiers in full camo. You know, they were camouflaged with their machine guns. With their, their, They had a jeep. And next thing you know, Jonathan's just like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. And then they gave him muffins. You know, and, and he was so happy. You know, he, it's such an experience. And I said, see, I mean, there's always surprises. And you know what? It's not what we're going to do that matters this Christmas. It's with whom we're going to do it. And to have that peace with the future, it doesn't matter. I mean, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough cares about itself. And I'll tell you, I worry about tomorrow all the time. And I have to constantly look at that verse and say, you know what? Jesus, you, I, I'm with you. You're with me. And I don't want to worry about tomorrow. But God wants to give you peace about tomorrow. To have peace with the future. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And it is not a logical peace. It's a peace, Paul says, that surpasses understanding. I remember when uh, Arden was diagnosed. Well, he he was in the hospital. His platelets were at 10,000. There was supposed to be between 250 and 350,000. And we just thought, man, it could be lupus. It could be leukemia. And we're just flipping out. And Loretta just had this peace. She just had this peace about her. I'm crying on the way to the airport, you know, I mean, on the way to the hospital, and I'm saying, Lord, why can it not be me instead of him? And, 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 and then the Lord kind of spoke to my heart, why not you guys? Why can you not go through this? You know me. But when I met Loretta, the, the Loretta, at some, at, at, um, in some stages of our life, it's amazing the peace that she's experienced that surpasses any kind of understanding. And we need to look for that. We, and, and it says this, be anxious for nothing, but let the peace of God that surpasses understanding guard your heart. And listen to this. We have to let it. We have to allow it. And, and that means that God's peace is actually trying to penetrate and guard our hearts. And so when we look to the future, we need to preach to ourselves And say, you know what? I'm going to allow your peace to run my heart. And then I know that you've been faithful in the past and you'll be faithful in the future. And there might be left turns. And and things might not go exactly how I want. And things might go worse than I think. But what will never change is that in the end you will get your way and your way is always good. But he wants us to enjoy peace for the future. And how? Well, first of all, we need to ask. Say, Lord... Just give me peace in this situation. Number two, we need to press into Jesus. Just to spend time with him and just, just, just take, I mean, this morning, uh, 
this morning I was I was reading something and it, and it was it was talking about just the need to have uh, just the daily quiet time, to have time a peaceful time with God, a peaceful time with Jesus. Number three, we need to surrender. Sometimes, sometimes we don't have peace because we're just striving, trying to get our way in everything. Number four, we need to fill ourselves to the brim with his word, the knowledge of him. Number five, we worship. You know, we, we don't just, we don't, we, we, we just go to a place where we either turn on music or, or we just praise him and just say, Lord, just get our eyes focused on him. Even as Chris was saying last week, we breathe and we realize that his presence is in us and we are in awe. And we, like Jacob, say, man, the Lord is in this place and I was not even aware of it. And finally, we pray. Because it says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So this Christmas, let us like the shepherds, when the angels come, when suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared, and the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the heavens, and understand this, that God wants to peace, he wants peace for you on earth. His desire for you is one of peace, not of chaos. One of, one, uh, one of peace, not of war. And this is a benefit, a privilege that we get to enjoy with Jesus. The worship band, if you would like to come up. And also, if you feel, my goodness, there's so much war. So much anxiety. Please grab someone next to you and pray with them or go over to Zuli here and uh, somebody else is going to be praying and be prayed with and prayed for because God does not in desire, his desire for us is not one of living at war and, in, and, and turmoil. He wants us to enjoy a life of peace, even with little, but at least peaceful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that our minds just need to be transformed because we have such a, such a um, twisted view of you at times, Lord. And yet your desires for us are, are imagine, unimaginably better than we could ever think or ask. And I pray, Lord, that you will allow us, help us, Lord, to transform our minds. Tran you transform our minds to see you as you are. And that we, we would allow all these benefits that you have for us, Lord. You desire us to live in peace with you, even with ourselves, with the past, with the present, and with the future. In Jesus' name, amen.